read from the book of Genesis chapter 32. All of our guests that are here, we're so glad that you're here and you've chosen to come and worship with us. Thank you. We love you. We pray the blessing of the Lord upon you. Amen. For the uh, daily Bible reader, I'm certain that you've covered these verses in your yearly um, script. Perhaps, however, some may have not seen this, and I like to I like to give uh, clarity to it. Genesis chapter thirty-two, and I'll just read three verses. And we'll go from there. And verse 24. And Jacob was left alone. Everyone say alone. That's key. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Now, if you don't move forward, just know that the biblical writers did their very best to give us descriptions and we'll find out that this is not the man um, in kind as we would presume. I'll help you. And when he saw, the man saw that he prevailed not against Jacob, He touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. It's a very unique moment. It was never repeated again. It was so unique that even the Jewish people from that day forward would not eat the meat of a lamb from that that hollowed-out thigh. They would not eat that. And that was to commemorate and to honor the moment that God changed the disposition of the patriarch. When Jacob left the scene, he never walked the same. His gait had changed. And his gait mirrored the image, his gait, his walk, his travel, mirrored the image of the new spirit that the Lord had put on him. When you are touched by the Lord... Something will change in your life. You will never walk away the same. If you walk away the same after being with Jesus, that means that you didn't allow him to touch your life like the way he wanted to touch you. He never wants you to leave the same way you came. When people walk into the church and say, well, do I have to change? The moment you get next to Jesus invariably you will want to change you will change every day I'm with him I want to change and he said now this pronoun is Jake is is the man the man said to Jacob let me go for the day breaketh it's been a long night and Jacob said I will not let thee go except Thou bless me. 
Now I'm going to preach to myself. If you, if you want to join me, that's fine. Now I'm going to preach this today. I need a blessing. I need a blessing. Jesus, help us now, right now, Father. In your holy name, Jesus. In your holy name, Jesus. My soul will not resist you, Lord. My spirit cries out for you today, Lord. And Lord, I'm just praying on behalf of someone here that's not... They don't know what to do. They don't know what to say, but they know they have a deficit and a need. So I pray, Lord, let them have the courage and the boldness to join me in this cry to you, Lord. Because there are some things, Lord, that only you can do we cannot do for ourselves, Lord. So we stand and make our petitions known to you today because we are in need of you. And I pray for this congregation of believers, Lord. We've come in here seeking for you. We entertain you. We implore you. We extol you, Lord. We adore you, Savior Jesus. You're the master of all things. All the answers come from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Two wrongs took place, and I, I don't believe that either man was justified. And, of course, in common uh, thought, two wrongs have never made a right. But in regard to many family disputes... Two wrongs are often the case. The scripture offers no shade to so many of these conflicts. It will not cover the inadequacies of the people that are written. Uh, Their lives are fully exposed. And the Bible even says that brothers are made for adversaries. It just basically means that It's uh, common for brothers to fight and have arguments. But in the scripture, there are brothers that fight, make war against one another. There are fathers that dismiss or ignore their parental duties and responsibilities. There are mothers that are self-engrossed and would like to cast their bitterness upon their newborn sons. The pages of the scripture are filled with wrongs. Perhaps one of the most perplexing narratives is the deceit by Jacob to steal the birthright from his older brother Esau. But still yet, he was blessed. That his father blessed him after the birthright was stolen. And then to top all of that off, Jacob retained the birthright even though it came by deception. It boggles the mind. 
Esau was wrong for his casual approach to the most important aspect of his life. The birthright held the promise of land and property and worth and authority. It also defined people. It defined the son of a father before men. And in a very spiritual sense, it was what God recognized, the birthright, But at the end of a long day hunting, when Esau was tired and hungry and came home and had nothing to eat, Jacob was prepared with some soup. And Jacob offered a small meal in exchange for the birthright to which Esau said, look, I'm about to die. What good is the birthright to me? In fact, the Bible says, and I quote, that God loved Jacob and hated Esau. I don't believe that God hated his soul, but there was an action that God hated because he despised the very thing that was offered to him. It was the most precious thing. And Esau will over-exaggerate his hunger pangs. It was a flippant response to the most important gift reserved for him, the eldest son. But in a moment, he gave it away, not really considering the ramifications of what he had just done. Jacob plotted and schemed for the opportunity to trick his aging father. At the end of Isaac's life, Jacob tricked his aging father to lay hands on him and pronounce the blessing of the birthright over him. This is a very detailed and complex story. It's froth with deceit and anger and deep-rooted bitterness found in the heart of their mother, Rebecca, who assisted in the deceit. Of all things, talk about a dysfunctional family. There's favoritism and deceit. There's plotting and scheming. There's carelessness and flippancy. Isaac, the father, is at the end of his life. He calls for Esau to receive the blessing of the birthright. And Esau says, well, I'm going to go get some game. I'm going to go hunting and I'll bring it back, your favorite food. Now the stage is set. Esau is gone. But while he is missing, Jacob enters the room dressed in Esau's clothes. And Isaac, at that point, he cannot see very well. He's either blind or blind enough that he cannot make out who it is that entered the room. He feels the arm of of Jacob, and Jacob has put on some skin around his arm to make his his arm hairy. And he's, he's put on Esau's clothes, and he's made the venison just right. And everything feels right, and it all... Taste right, the sensory, but it doesn't sound right. Even Isaac says the food tastes right, and 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 the and 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 the the clothes feel right, and the and the food smells right, but the voice is not right. That's the that's the whole story of of the of the modern church. We 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 negate the voice, and we lean to what feels good and smells good and tastes good. And the voice comes out, and you hear the voice, but you kind of ignore the voice because other things feel good. And, and, the, and the enemy of your soul comes, and he presents all these 
sensory emotions to us, and we know the voices that doesn't, it's not the right sound. Jesus said, my sheep hear and know my voice. We're so inundated with how it makes us feel that we succumb to false doctrines and false philosophies if it makes us feel good. That there's a voice we have to pay attention to. And of course, Isaac succumbs to all of those other emotions. And all of that happens. And Isaac is in the room extending his hands, putting his hands upon the head and shoulders of the second son of deception, the subplanter. Because Jacob came prepared with food and clothes, and, and Isaac is convinced just enough. And the question is dismissed, and the blessing goes to Jacob, and the gift of the lineage is passed on to him. All the land, all the wealth, all the elements of God's defined covenant has now passed on to Jacob. And when the words are spoken, they can never be retrieved. In those days, the blessing came once. No do-overs. And Jacob left the room. He's holding an intangible covenant that Esau would never, ever receive. It will materialize in physical, tangible blessings. And of course, Esau did come back from the field. He has prepared food. And when Esau found out that Jacob had supplanted him, what had happened? He cried out, here's your scripture. And when Esau heard the words of his father, someone has come before you. I've already blessed your brother. The Bible says Esau cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry. He said to his father, bless me, even me also, O oh my father. Give me that birthright. But it was too late. And Isaac would not offer one more word to his firstborn son. And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing? My father, bless me, even me also. Oh, my father. He lifted up his voice. He wept. He wept. That day, so many years prior, when a bowl of soup was exchanged, it seemed so long ago and meaningless. That moment, just fleeting, now had grown into a lifetime of anguish. And in response, Jacob knew what he had done, and he ran for his life. Esau groaned and was angry. And now they're separated. Esau remained home, and Jacob ran away. Two wrongs, carelessness, flagrancy, and deceit. A fractured family was all that remained. In the next few chapters of your Bible, you'll find that Jacob will discover the presence of God and then an altar is built and then distant relatives are found and time is passing. Jacob will fall in love with a pretty girl and he'll work for seven years for the hand of Rachel. His soon-to-be father-in-law will deceive him, but before that, his father-in-law said, if you want to marry my daughter, you have to work for me for seven years. Years. We only believe parts of the Bible. I just want you to know, men with daughters, here's a scripture that you can use for your benefit. 
(laughs) And at the end of the seven years when he was getting married, there was a deception that took place. And for the sake of time, I'll I'll move quickly. (laughs) Then all Jacob will marry sisters and work to make the entire household rich. His father-in-law Laban gets rich because Jacob held the covenant and the birthright. And that place will suddenly grow small because of success. And Jacob will long to return to the place of his original blessing. The birthright awaits him, but his scorned brother is standing in the way. We're not sure after these many years if his mother is alive. We do not think so. But we do know that Esau has grown in strength and ability and influence. He's now a very powerful man in the region. And Jacob leaves the house of his in-laws knowing that he must face his brother, the scorned brother. In real time, in the moment, Jacob does not know what shall become of him. The last time he saw his brother Esau, it was a bitter moment. Bitterness permeated the place. Isaac's last breath held no comfort for his eldest son Esau. Isaac said, Esau, you will live by the sword, but you will also serve your brother. The Bible says Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessings of his father that he had given him. He said, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. The atmosphere of the home entailed all the elements of retribution. A scorned brother now awaits. Those are the last things that Jacob remembered. And I know we all see this clearly. It's because we have the distinct privilege of knowing the outcome. We know because we have the historical account given to us in our hands. But I'm not preaching simply about the steps of Jacob or the disposition of his scorned brother. I'm preaching about you and me. Because we are in real time. And the next few moments or days may very well determine what shall become of us. Jacob finally came to a place in his journey that he knew that no one could help him but God. So he sent his family ahead. Perchance they might find grace in the eyes of his distant brother while he searched for the Lord. He's on his way back home to meet Esau. Jacob finds a place he would call Peniel. And there the Bible says that he wrestled with a man or he wrestled with the Lord. It was an all-night affair, the toiling and the struggle. It's a strange scene with this theophany. A theophany is like a manifestation of God. Uh, The supernatural being, the grappling with Jacob. The night is long, he's alone, the struggle's intense. And Jacob sees the manifestation, the spirit form in this man. He held him in a clinch and would not let him go. Again, angel, a theophany, I cannot say for certain. Perhaps even this manifestation from the embodiment of the Almighty himself... He saw that the night was almost over, and yet Jacob held fast to him. It had to be worrisome. It had to be filled with brawl and battle, and and, and on the ground and standing, this angelic form even tried to get away, but Jacob would not let him go. Jacob would not relent until the Scripture says, and I quote, when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. He changed the way he walked, and he said, let me go because the day is upon us. 
It was in the wrestling that Jacob came to know that he needed something beyond the natural means. He needed a supernatural change for his life, something that would change his spirit from the inside out. But it did not come easy. It did not come without toil or struggle. Because nothing powerful and life-changing comes easy. It always comes with a struggle and a toil and a grappling. Tell me how this angelic figure could not break free. Someone tell me, why could he not get away? How could he not break free of a mortal man? How could, how could this being who could touch the, the thigh of a man and hollow it out could not break free from him? You had the power to dislodge his hip, but you didn't have the power to break free. The power of God. If so be that this was a manifestation of the ancient of days. The power of God. Tell me how God cannot break free. Tell me how God cannot get away. All I know is that God has allowed himself to be captured by the desperate desire of his own creation. It means that in the struggle, the wrestling, when we are so desperate for the Lord, he has allowed himself to not be able to resist you when you plead for help and you call on God. He can get away from anything and has authority over everything, but he's allowed himself the the inability to break free from your desperate cry. I need a blessing. He is touched by the cry of our most desperate need. Listen to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. It's written with a double negative, so I'll help you understand it. This is what the writer says. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet he didn't have sin. So let's come boldly into the throne of grace. We'll find mercy there. We'll find grace in time. It means that Jesus is our high priest and he feels our trouble because he has suffered the same. He's been through everything you've ever been through. He didn't sin, but he went through the same temptation, the same loss, and the same suffering, and the same rejection, just like you. It means that he knows what you're going through and he wants you to enter into his heart holy place because mercy and grace is waiting for you there so come on boldly all you have to do is walk in he knows where you're at he's just waiting for you to come Let me help you with it. He's not a high priest that's indifferent to you. He's not cold to you. He, he, he's not careless for you, but he knows exactly what you need. And all you have to do is a hold on to him. And he's made it so he cannot break free from your desperate cry. I need a blessing. that night was long and the struggle was intense and Jacob sees this manifested spirit form in a man I don't know. He held him in a clinch. He would not let go. He was not going to let go. He just held him. I, I don't know how he did it. He held him. He grappled him. He made sure that he could not let go. He would not get away from him. He just held on to it. And I know the modern pulpit. I know what Christian pulpits promote. But I submit that many people are far from the kingdom, even farther from the word. Jesus said this, strive to enter at 
the straight gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and shall not be able to strive. You gotta work. You gotta, you gotta spare no effort. Give it all that you can. You're not on cruise control. You gotta make every attempt to enter in because the knowledge of God and the kingdom of God is worth fighting for. Paul, Paul the Apostle, he stood at the end of his numerous accomplishments and he writes, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this way and thing I know, forgetting all those things which were behind. And if you read the prior verses, he wasn't just forgetting the trouble. He was forgetting the success and the accolades. He said, forgetting the things which are behind, I reach forth unto those things which are before. Here it is. I press, I press for the mark, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. Christ Jesus. Jacob has no answer to give. The memory of his brother lays heavy. And the moment of truth has come. He needs a blessing from God. And he don't even ask for anything specific. He just says, just bless me. God, you decide what I need. All I know is that I cannot face the uncertainty of tomorrow without your blessing. I won't let you go unless you bless me. I don't even know what to ask for. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit makes intercessions for you with groanings that cannot be uttered. That means when you begin to pray in the Spirit, the Spirit that's inside of you intercedes on your behalf and speaks things over you that you cannot utter or know because there's things that you need you don't even know what you need but the Holy Ghost knows what you need all I know I need a blessing today I don't know exactly what it is but I did not come here just to be seen or be heard I came here because I've got to have a blessing have to say, Lord, I'm leaving it up to you to do this thing in me because the blessing that I need can only come from you. Here's Jacob. It's going to bring me past my fear. It's going to bring me into my fulfillment. It's going to solve the issue before I get to the problem. There's a resolution waiting for me if you'll give me the blessing. But I need a touch. I need something I cannot buy. I cannot research. No friend can give it to me. No counseling. No thumbs up. No encouragement. I need a blessing. And until you and I get to the place where we're crying out for God, you're going to come into church and leave the same way you came. But I submit to you, it's time for you to get up and say, I've got to have a blessing. Why would you go through that thing without seeking for the Lord? He has it in his hands. The only thing you can do is lay hold on him and say, I'm going to keep praying and keep seeking God until he gives it to me. If I'm alone and it's all night long, I'm not leaving here until you change my walk and you change my name and you change my heart and you do something I cannot do for myself. Here's the time of Jesus when it appears a wealthy woman suddenly gets sick and for 12 years she spends all the money she has on the doctors. The Bible says, and I quote, and she was nothing bettered. 
but she hears that Jesus is going to pass by. <laughs> and she gets it in her mind. I don't know <laughs> how it's going to happen. She says, if I can just touch him, I'll be healed if I can just touch him. It doesn't make any sense. She is the woman with an issue of blood. And the crowd is swarming around the Lord. And she is reading in pain. And life is slipping from her veins. And she knows no other way. And I know that it should not be in this, in this pattern. But Jesus is her last option. He should have been her first choice. But she is the image of our modern thought, which says, try everything on your own. If it doesn't work, ask the Lord. I know that she shouldn't have done that, and I know we shouldn't do that. But the crowd is not going to let her go. and he's not, They're not going to let her through. It's not an easy access to the Lord. Let me just tell you, life is not always easy. It's not always easy access to the Lord. You walk into this house on Sundays and the music is going on. Your mind's wandering. And you look around and see somebody and you're distracted. And you carry all this stuff and all this junk from the days. And by the time the sermon kind of kind of starts to work through, you're, you're, you're kind of drifting in your thought. You're hoping, when are we going to get to the good part? And then something else reminds you and you have a little fear and doubt and a little anger and all that other junk. It's hard to get to the Lord because our lives are busy and we are convoluted with all kinds of things. But I say today, sometimes you just got to put aside everybody. I wish we could just pass out blinders on everyone and say, I see nothing and nobody but you, Lord. I just want to find you, Lord. And I'll tell you, there's always someone that comes in the church that gets so disturbed about a doctrinal point that you miss the opportunity to get a hold of Jesus or a song or a presentation or some dumb joke the pastor says. And there's a lot of those. And you just kind of miss the whole point. The Lord comes through and you're still hung up on something that's ignorant and just trivial. and Something that makes no difference in your life. And, and your whole healing just it walked right out the door. And you leave the same way and say, well, I didn't feel anything. I'm going to tell you, if you're not healed and you're not delivered, it's not because the Lord wasn't here. It's because you didn't grab him and press through. And you didn't captivate the thoughts of your mind. I don't want to live like that. I didn't come in here just to preach a sermon. I came here to get a blessing. I know I'm speaking the word, but I'm speaking it to myself. I I'm going to have a blessing, Lord, from you today. I need a blessing from you today, Lord. Oh. Go tell blind Bartimaeus that he should be quiet and in order. Go tell him. Someone... Shout back at Mark chapter 5 and say, Bartimaeus, you're out of order. Don't you know this is a church? Don't you know you're disturbing someone? Don't you know that there's a time and place to cry out for Jesus? This is not the time. Why can't you wait until the very end? See, desperate people don't wait to the end. They don't wait for the conclusion. Acts 10. While Peter yet spake these words, this is the Bible, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word and they began to speak in tongues. Peter didn't even get to the altar call. He didn't have the conclusion. 
He was just preaching. While he was preaching, the Holy Ghost fell, and they just said, we'll just take it right now. I don't know what your next point is. You might have three points, but we already got it. I want it right now. When you're hungry and you need a blessing, you're not going to wait for me to finish and the, and the music to come back because you don't care. Jesus, have mercy on me. Okay, you may not be there yet, but you'll be there. But I think some of you, many of you are already there. And it is alone, and it is night, and it is dark, and it is at midnight, and you're facing impossible situations, and nothing may be in your favor, or the outcome may be unknown. You're the person I'm appealing to today. And it's just you and me. Here's our day. We're not going to leave here without a blessing from God. And we're not going to dictate to the Lord exactly what we need. Because we know he knows better than we know what we really need. I'm not going to try to frame my answer and put it in his hand. So that he can give some temporary fix for me. That would make me good for a moment. I need a name change. Jacob was not called Jacob forever. He was called Israel. Because with the new walk and the touch and the birthright, there had to be a new image. No longer are you going to be called Jacob. I'm going to make you Israel. And the children of Israel was known by that name. They were not known as the children of Jacob. Because the offsprings from that moment had to have a new identification. We're not the children of deceit. We're not the children of conflict. We're not the children of anger. We're not the children of wrath. We're not a dysfunctional body of believers. We are the children of Israel. We are the children of the Most High God. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. It's in his perfect will that you get your blessing today and that you are blessed of the Holy Ghost. I came here. I need a blessing. I'm a little, I, I'm ruined. You don't, some of you don't understand. I'm ruined. Because I grew up in a church where no one knew what was going to happen the next moment. And right in the middle of, of prayer, and right in the middle of taking an offering, and right in the middle of announcements, somebody would just need something for God. We, we probably didn't know good protocol. <laughs> we never had a service agenda. Just whatever my mom decided to play in the piano. <laughs> That wasn't always good. I'll tell you what we did have. We had hunger. We didn't have any money. We didn't have very many people. But we had hunger. We didn't have health insurance. My grandmother gave hot bread Italian bread to Dr. Mogerman and made Italian cookies and gave to Dr. Mogerman every year. And one time we were all very, very ill and my mother brought us to Dr. Mogerman and he serviced us for free. And that was the only time I ever remember going to the doctor. I, listen, you're, some of you are not going to like this. 
See, when you don't have health insurance, all you have is Jesus. You got a lot of resources, you don't, you're not getting meat. You got everything in order, you got a good bank account, got dental, got health, got counselors, you got all these people to help you, then you won't need Jesus. You don't need him. See, before, we were on the wrong side of the tracks. And we were on the wrong side of the tracks. We had more power and more authority because we didn't have anything else but the Lord. But now you all got a lot of stuff. Some of you got two homes. Some of you got three homes. This is, even not, this is not even your home. That's why you don't care about what's going on here. Some of you got a lot of resources. You're not even thinking about what you're going to eat today. You just know there's going to be food. But there was a moment we were on the wrong side of the tracks. All we had is Jesus. And all we had is the name. And all we knew was the church. And all we said was, I just got to have the Lord. We would pray, what do you need? People would come in with prayer requests that were, that were bizarre. I remember someone asking prayer requests for their cow. On a regular basis, people pray for their dogs. There was some ladies in our church, we always was praying for their car. And even my father one time walked out to the gravel parking lot and laid his hands on the hood of a car and prayed that the Lord, get this, would heal it. That's not even in the Bible. But you don't pray for your car. You're calling the mechanic and you're angry that you can't get in. You're not hearing me today because you don't want a blessing. What you want is someone else to fix your problem. But I'm going to stand here right now and say there's some things I cannot do for myself. i got to have the Lord. i got to have a blessing. I need a blessing. i got to have a blessing from God. Cry out. Cry out. Oh, Jesus, cry out. Listen, if there's one thing I know, you ought not wait and make Jesus your final option. Don't wait until you go through everything and say, well, I finally, I might as well call on the Lord. Now is the day. Today is the day. Call on Jesus today. If you hold on to him, he, won't, he, he can't let you go. He can't get away from you if you're holding on to him. <laughs> I need a blessing, Lord. I need a blessing today, Lord. I need a blessing today. I won't let you go until you bless me, Lord. I got to be blessed of you, Lord. I don't even know how to say it, Lord. But Lord, bless me in all the way you can. Bless me in the only way you can. Bless my mind. Heal my mind. Heal my heart. Change the way I live. Help me. Help me, Lord. I got to change the way I live. And the way I walk. Give me a new. Give me a new name today, Lord. Uh, 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 oh. 
for you. Come, come boldly. Come, 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 come. Just do this out of your, out of your own mouth and from the depths of your soul cry out. Cry out his name. Cry out your need. Cry out, I need a blessing. Come on. That's right. Who cares who hears you? It doesn't make any difference who hears you. I need you. Oh, oh, I need you. Touch me, Lord. Wash me, Lord. Heal me, Lord. Save me, Lord. Restore me, Lord. Baptize me, Lord. I don't even know what to pray for, God. I just know I'm in a need of something that only can come from you. Money can't fix it, and medicine can't fix it, and doctors can't heal it, and friends can't help it, Lord. Oh, I need a blessing. 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 I need your blessing. I want the blessing that comes from you. I want the blessing that changes my entire life. I want the blessing that changes my core, changes my internal, internal destiny. I need a blessing from you, Lord. 